Aaron's Journey, the podcast where we talk to professionals in the media industry to help encourage people with disabilities to pursue their dreams. Sarakoski, the host of Aaron's Journey. This episode to end off the year is an exciting interview with my friend, the Pokemon theme song singer, Jason Page. He talks about how he got his audition, how it impacted his life, and much more. So stay tuned. If you're like me, finding a place to eat is never an easy thing to do. Whether I am in my hometown or traveling, I was by myself wishing I had a trusted friend I can call to tell me where to eat. The infatuation is that friend. The infatuation helps you find the right restaurant for any situation. Do you place for first date? Trying to find a spot for your birthday that you don't want to celebrate except you also kind of do? The infatuation has you covered in all these situations and many, many more. So, if you ever need to find a place to eat, but don't want to read through thousands of unreliable crowdsource reviews, hit up theinfactuation.com or download the free app to search for thousands of restaurant reviews and guides in 22 major cities around the world. Or let the infatuation do the work for you by sending a text to 64560. A real person will respond and help you find a restaurant that's perfect for whatever situation you find yourself in. In. 20 years ago, you sang the Pokemon theme song. What was the audition process like, and how did you get the chance to record it? Ah, well, I'm uh, what's known as a, what I, I consider myself a vocal artist, uh, a vocal acrobat, a vocal gymnast, gymnast, which means I go and I do sessions for all kinds of products, uh, TV shows, movies, uh, backgrounds for albums. Uh, I sang, when you get nausea, heartburn, indigestion, upset stomach, diarrhea. I sang, Subway, eat fresh. I sang, the quilted, quicker, picker, upper. Among many others, and uh, I did backgrounds, and in, in, uh, I actually I sang back. 
backgrounds on a SpongeBob. Thank God it's Monday. Uh, my my favorite Monday. You know things like that. Um, so every time I do a session. It in and of itself is an audition because they're paying me to do that session to hear how it sounds and they'll distribute whatever we do that day to the client, to whoever the job is for, to see if they like it. So the initial fees are always lower fees and then if something gets picked up and used, then it goes up and graduates in the audition, passes the audition to the next thing. So the Pokemon theme was an audition for this TV show theme that uh, that we we all did together and got paid a very low fee to do this audition and uh, it was for a jingle house that I had sung a couple of jingles for before and they had hired me many times to do these jingle auditions as I said they always are um, and uh, we did the audition with the Pokemon we, we, we could see what the what the cartoon looked like because they had a small example of the cartoon but it was still in Jap Japanese so we, we didn't really we didn't really know what was going on in the cartoon we just saw what it looked like and we saw that it was Ash that was kind of the character that was the main character and uh, they were also auditioning different lyrics it was it wasn't gotta catch them all there was a couple other ones in there gotta get them all gotta have them all um, and uh, we tried out a whole bunch of different things and they settled on gotta catch them all they used that tag and then that recording went to audition in front of probably a test group but at least the corporate people had to decide whether they liked it or not and they liked it and they put it on air and even that was still an audition really for the bigger uh, ecosystem that eventually grew it was the little tiny egg that we that had hatched and then we didn't know or that was the it was a little tiny pokeball that hatched and we didn't know if the, if the Pokemon inside was gonna grow or not or it was gonna be nothing inside it was gonna get crap back in the pokeball and never come out but uh, it came out in that that 30 that first TV show and uh, everybody liked it the rest is because of you and the incredible fans that continue to invest in the ecosystem and soon after there was the to be a master full record that also included I'm on the road to Viridian City and uh, that that was the you know that was that was the first album of Pokemon music so the theme song was extended into a three and a half three minute song with a, a bridge and a guitar solo and all of that stuff and uh, then the rest is you guys all contributing to the ecosystem and creating all this value that you're still creating today <laughs> so um, so to add to that uh, uh, what are some of your favorite songs growing up Oh, wow. I think one of my favorite songs growing up is A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, V, W, X, Y, and Z. Now I know my ABC. Next time, won't you sing with me? Because uh, that's the first song that we learn that teaches us how to. How, we we actually learn to sing before we learn to speak. 
Uh, it teaches us how to spell. It teaches us how to communicate. It's the most powerful song that has ever been written. And of course, it's Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, How I Wonder What You Are, uh, which I believe is Mozart. Yeah, Mozart or, Be- or Beethoven. So um, that that that's the most popular and powerful song. The next song that I think is one of my favorites was "Happy Birthday to You." Happy Birthday to You. Happy Birthday, dear Aaron. Even though it's not your birthday. Today. <laughs> we learn, you know, how to uh, celebrate the miracle of the birth through that song. Um, and uh, I think uh, beyond that, favorite songs are are kind of uh, something that we're culturally exposed to or that in my day, my, my parents had albums that were lying around the house and there was a radio, of course, that blasted stuff out. But I do remember TV songs as well having their impact on me. Just right back then you'll hear a derail a tale of a fateful trip that started from this tropic port aboard this tiny ship. And, uh, of course, go, Speed Racer, go, Speed Racer, go. Vince, go, Speed Racer kind of looks a little bit like um, Ash, actually. It was the first anime special. Um, But then once I kind of got a little bit older, I got into more classic rock stuff like I'm sailing away set an open course for the Virgin Sea sticks and uh, uh, Motley Crue when I finally became a uh, teenager and Bon Jovi ooh you little run away daddy's daddy girl learn fast all the things you should say ooh she's a little run away Oh, that's just like the Pokemon theme song, actually. <laughs> Same kind of vibe. Um, but yeah, those were some of the songs that 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 uh, infected my childhood. And ABC doesn't really make it around that much because I'm not around kids. Uh, but happy birthday! I still get that one all all the time, every day. Somebody's singing that somewhere. It's actually a copywritten piece of information that that uh, somebody has to get paid for when it's used in commercial in commercial productions, which is incredible to me that you can't go happy birthday to you without paying somebody money. So if you were monetize this video, you would get banned or you would get you would you know have to share your money with the people that wrote happy birthday to you na, 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 na. those five notes, six notes. Yeah, it's crazy. <clears throat> yeah, we're we're pretty much be going into a bit into a bit of that stuff later on. So, yeah. So, um, so my next question for you: um, What was it like getting to work with Mark Jackson during um, uh, during the uh, during the um, anniversary um, venue? Um, it was incredible. Uh, first of all, we were working with a group of about 150 people before we saw Michael Jackson. And when he came in, he came into the room and, you know, everybody knew he was coming to the rehearsal that day. And we had to have our, 
to have our shit together, ready to go, and and at least at the point where we were. Um, and uh, it was extremely exciting. He came in, he was so nice, he was so just kind and, you know, giving and loving and totally just was a normal person. And, and it's everybody else's perspective on him being this thing that makes him so abnormal because he's just a guy who's handling his business and telling people what part to sing and making sure the bass is right and the drums are right and yeah go to that section over here and let's put this thing in here and hold it out right here i mean everybody knew what to do but you know the little adjustments he made were really uh just very normal interactions he had um on on the rehearsal there was a room where he was he was uh, his family was he had little prince michael jackson was in there and uh, I was making balloon animals for the kids because I make balloon animals and uh, so I was a hit with the with the Michael Jackson kids um, and uh, it was incredible it was also really incredible just to see everybody else's reaction because each of us individually just wants to be a normal person interacting with somebody you know so when you're talking to, to Michael and he's telling you what to do you're just you're trying to be as normal as possible and then after he goes around everybody goes oh my god oh my god I just talked to Michael Jackson oh my god you know everybody's like freaking out privately because they don't want to freak out in front of him which is exactly what happens in the audience when he comes out on stage everybody's in front of him freaking out it's their opportunity to freak out they're not trying to act normal at a concert they're actually there to freak out so it's sort of the opposite <laughs> opposite thing you know all the musicians are trying to hold it back and just be normal yeah we're just in the band with michael you know this is fun but i'm just a musician playing with michael and that's it i'm just singing backgrounds for michael but i'm cool when everybody wants to be just like they were <laughs> just like the audience was oh my god it's michael jackson screaming for for literally 15 minutes in between the three minute songs so we do a song <laughs> for three minutes and then we wait for the the, the for 15 minutes while they changed the set <laughs> changed he set up for the next number all of the numbers in that show were massive spectacles involving uh, 10 to 50 dancers and some of them involved choirs there was an orchestra there's projections there's all kinds of costume changes and stage and set things so the 15 minutes of applause in between each number was necessary to actually change things around although Michael would stand there for a good two or three minutes of it and then he would go off and, and they would continue cheering until you know another 10 minutes went by and uh, they were ready for the next song um, <laughs> incredible really an incredible experience all around and vocally he was just on point rehearsals he was you know there wasn't any halfway singing going on he just came right out and and sang I'm gonna make a tea for tonight. Night. I'm gonna feel it. I'm gonna make it right. All of that stuff was there, and I was like, "Whoa, he's doing it all right here." He wasn't like, "I'm gonna make a change." Wasn't holding back. It was incredible. And also, every song was a, was in the first half of the show. Oh, no, in in, the, in his show had, like, collaborations with other artists, so he had to act, uh, interact with people back and forth. And his interactions were really uh, very sweet as well. <laughs> it was yeah. great. Yeah, have you I, seen that show? You've seen it? Have you seen the uh, the video? 
um, I haven't, I haven't, no, YouTube. I, haven't really, I haven't really had the chance to say that yet. <laughs> anyway, other than Michael Jackson, who else inspired you in terms of your singing style? Um, well, I, I have to say, uh, I, I, when I started singing, uh, I started singing as a, as a child, um, based on the albums that were in my parents collection like Elton John and Billy Joel so I had that that you know it comes away if it comes another way it's rolling in from the sea it's upsetting my life boat. that was one of my songs that I wrote when I was like uh, probably nine or ten eight eight or nine um, I lived in Baltimore, Maryland, and my parents had all those old classic rock songs. But I wasn't, I wasn't trying to do those guys or be be a singer. I was just expressing myself naturally, just like kids are always drawing. I was a kid who was always singing, as we all should be if we're not stopped from doing that. And then when I got into high school for music and art high school, I took I was a voice major, and they were teaching us all kinds of things that I, I had no interest in, um, like. Italian stuff and weird classical music that influenced me, but it wasn't my interest. Uh, I had auditioned for the show with, I mean, for the uh, the high school of music and art with "I'm Sailing Away," a stick song that I basically picked out because. The sheet music was there in Sam Goody and the record store that was selling sheet music. And uh, But when I really started to have my own influence outside of other influences that were on me, my friends and I were listening to uh, Quiet Riot and Motley Crue, uh, Ozzy, uh, Queensryche and those heavy metal bands. So I got I got very much into... And I got into like Ozzy, Diary of a Madman, Walking Today. And then I really liked uh, the Queen of the Rock, Jeff Tate, because he was just doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And he was also saying pretty cool stuff in his music. Operation Minecraft, we got an underground revolution working all the time. Weird stuff like that. Um, uh, and then my influences kind of changed as I uh, started doing all of these session work, which was just uh, doing every single style possible. And so I had to morph myself into various different styles. And I found a couple of influences that were uh, extremely important in my life. One of them is Billy Porter. Uh, when I was 25, I did the national tour of hair. I sang, what a piece of work is man, how no reason how infinite in faculty in form and moving how I like and that's the wrong, wrong lyric I messed up but we were in Minneapolis and across the street Greece was on and our show got out early we went, went to the second act of Greece across the street and I heard Billy Porter sing beauty school dropout no graduation day for you beauty school dropout you miss your midterms and flung shampoo. 
and by the end of that song he had didn't done this crazy arrangement that wove all the way through all these gospel things crazy gospel runs and rips that I had never heard before and he did it in the context of a Broadway show that had nothing like that in it and I started trying to emulate that one song Beauty School Dropout till I could sing as much of it as possible and uh, Billy Porter was was he was the man he, he actually uh, I attracted him into my life somehow just from singing this song and I wound up doing a couple sessions with him and then I sung backgrounds with him and he was an incredible influence R&B stuff at the time but he was also his album was R&B but he was a musical theater R&B superstar so I got to I got to kind of combine the two the two styles together of like telling a story but telling it with crazy riffing and vocals and I got involved in a choir called the Broadway Inspirational Voices which is still together today 25 years they've been together and I was with them for about 13 years till I moved to Los Angeles had a profound impact on my voice as well because it's the hardest music ever written and sung uh, arranged by Michael McElroy, brilliant, brilliant, incredible singer and arranger and actor performer. Um, and doing these songs, like one song alone is a, is just the hardest thing you could ever imagine trying to sing, let alone a whole concert of it, fully inspired and connected to the spirituality of it too, uh, in a non-denominational way as well. Even though the songs were tradition, some of them were traditional gospel songs, it allowed each individual to connect to it in its own way and and the audience was uh, vast and and the performers vast array of denominations and religions and belief systems um so those are those are the basic influences that have uh, shaped my my life and now i'm shaped by by all of the new experiences that i have and i've had so many new experiences but it's always the road less traveled that you can learn from staying in one place you don't really learn that much you got to go in all these different directions in order to to get a full rounded perspective on on anything really in life on, on news on relationship on food on on people on music on vlogs <laughs> everything yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it must have been a lot I had to take for you to even be able to move up to a, as big of a city as Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty big. It's pretty big. However, the this, the little sections of Los Angeles are really small and cute, quaint little communities that you can kind of they're, they're like little small towns. Each one of them. I'm in West Hollywood, and it's like you know a couple of miles, and you can kind of know everybody. Who all the people in your neighborhood? In your neighborhood? In your neighborhood? <laughs> and I get to know the, 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 the Postal Pete over here, and <laughs> it's really cool. <laughs> oh, man, that, that's great. That's great. <laughs> so, anyway, um, you also sing for YouTube. How did you come up with that idea? Um, I did a public access cable TV show called The What's Up Show in the nine, late 90s mid-90s, late-90s in uh, New York City, Manhattan Public Access. Um, the cable system has to allow a certain amount of people access to, that's why it's called public access. You can submit whatever tapes, whatever you want to be broadcast over their airwaves. And at the time, Manhattan Public Access had about 
potentially 12 million eyeballs at any time because it was I think there was like 4 million or 5 million subscribers to Manhattan's public access cable system and then there would be 3 or 4 people watching each television they estimated um, in each household so I put together this this compilation of my band's performances in 1995 and that morphed into a kind of a sketch comedy show that just showed the band kind of like real world meets kids in the hall meets saturday night live where we would go around play our gigs and then do funny stuff backstage and then do skits and then talk about it and you see our rehearsal and you'd see our lives and then i cut it together with two vcrs one vcr was the was for the tapes that were in the old camera you put the big vhs tape in the camera so I take that tape out actually we'll play it from that camera into the VCR stopping and starting the pieces and places that I want rewinding and forwarding and putting that on cable so when YouTube came out I had all these videos from that uh, actually it was before YouTube it was Rever and some other video sharing services we had a website and we put our videos up on, on our website and the sharing services were much more efficient, so we migrated some of our videos to those sharing services, and there were ads at the end of it. You click on the ad, we would get 15 cents for people clicking on the ads. Um, and then YouTube happened right after that, so I migrated my Rever videos to YouTube and uh, have just been, since 2005, uh, continuing to share uh, my video content and creating new content. Um, but I, I, I was literally doing, wow, what a cute cat, dog thing you have a, a hairless cat <laughs> looks like a dog um, I've been continuing to migrate uh, some of my older videos onto onto YouTube and uh, create new content but what we were doing back in the day was kind of like what YouTube is now just anybody putting anything up and it being you know they're starting to regulate now but manhattan public access was totally unregulated they put they let you put whatever you want up and there was even weird nudity things going on on, on shows like robin bird and weird you know sex phone advertisements that would play on some of the channels so it was it was a it was a pretty free experience and i wanted to continue that freedom on youtube and now we know youtube is is kind of not so free anymore and there's search terms that you can't use and there's websites that you can't mention and there's things that you can't say so i'm trying not to say any of them here or else you won't be able to share this on youtube if you do that but there are blockchain platforms that you can that are the public access of the of today and the future meaning the public can have access to them and, and nobody's gonna stop them from doing anything there because it's up to the individual if you don't like something then you change the channel just like you did back on public access um, and and these new blockchain based platforms like mine I'm not even gonna say well, I'll say minds.com or DTube or BitChute or Steemit they all are own, are, aren't owned by a centralized location. They're owned by all of the users in a dem democratic process that gets voted on, and every, all the updates are, are are done by voting and by you know by consensus, just like Bitcoin is, and it, it can't be destroyed. It, it's an amazing new technology, and as YouTube and Facebook and Instagram all squeeze down on people, we these platforms are getting better and better, and they're springing up to allow people to uh, to express themselves and have and re and retain their freedom of speech that they've had on on these platforms for so long. But I get it, and it totally makes sense. 
um, you and I had a conversation on on chat, and I found that I couldn't say certain things on on, in, on that messaging service because it was uh, you know they had deemed it potentially dangerous content. And I can understand that you know if you're in the vegan place down downstairs and it's their restaurant, you can't come in there with McDonald's and try to tell everybody how great McDonald's is. Go to McDonald's. Go to McDonald's. They're a vegan place, and they're giving you the, what they think is the best thing, and they're making money off of that. And you're bringing in some stuff from McDonald's. I'm actually flipping the whole example around. It's the opposite of what happened to us. We were in McDonald's, and I was talking about the vegan place, and McDonald's said, "No, no, you can't talk about that here." But it's a private company, and when you're in their domain, you have to play by their rules, and their rules are. No talking about certain things when you're on that service. <laughs> Without filling out these security forms or knowing that we're watching you, we're watching you talk about these things that you're not allowed to talk about here. <laughs> and soon you won't be able to, you really won't be able to, to do it at all. They'll just have certain words that you can't use. I actually was uploading a, a, my latest SpongeBob uh, tribute to Steven Hillenburg. Um, and uh, it's there was a thing a best a best uh, practices checklist and it listed words that you don't want to say in your title if you want your video to be found <laughs> basically so so YouTube is YouTube and Google are right there to make sure you don't use even just certain words yeah <laughs> yeah it's 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 Really, it's really messed up. Let's hope one of those words is an AA Ron. <laughs> wow. <laughs> anyway, yeah. anyway, um, another thing you do on YouTube is uh, tonal tunes. Uh, where did the where did the um, concept for that come from? Um, from walking around and loving to sing in reverb spaces. Uh, I lived in New York City on 77th and Columbus Avenue, and I used to walk my dog uh, in the in the, the the yards of around the Museum of Natural History. They have bars on them, but there was one bent bar that people used to let their dogs go in there, and it's right by an archway that has a beautiful reverb. So late at night, I would let my dog in there, and I would just go sing sing songs and enjoy the reverb and wherever I go uh, on tour and when I'm walking around I I like to have that reverb or delay, delay happening because it's, it's just, just making, making everything, everything. makes everything really nice so I explore these natural reverbs in places and uh, I lived by that one first tunnel tune that I did on YouTube uh, underneath the Hollywood freeway uh, when I when I set up the camera by myself and I played uh, Boulevard of Broken Dreams um, for only for a Green Day audition, it was not actually to post publicly. It was to audition for their Green Day, the, the musical American Idiot. And I didn't get the audition. They wouldn't even see me for the show. But I put that video up and got more views on the video than I would have if I would have done the show. Yeah, yeah, which. So. And which I did saw, and I which I did see your, I did see one of your performances where you did the song and everything, and you actually made a joke about that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And, oh, that's one when I when I when I walked around the whole venue with the people. I I walk alone, I walk alone. 
<laughs> I did a beatbox thing and walked around with everybody. That was fun. <laughs> wow. Um, so, my next question for you. Um, how did you become a Pokemon fan, and how would you compare the original um, English uh, Pokemon dub to today? You mean the original Japanese Pokemon? Yes. Yes, no. back in the day. The Japanese Pokemon song to the well, English Pokemon song? Um, no, not not the song itself, but the anime. Oh, oh, uh, well, I... Uh, oh, you mean, uh, yeah. Um... Well, I, 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 I wasn't ever really a fan of the actual show um, because I didn't watch it very much except for just to hear my, hear my song, my voice. Uh, but when Pokemon Go came out, I got very interested in it and started understanding the ecosystem, understanding what the game was about, understanding how much value it added to people's lives and that it wasn't just a toy company that had, you know, distributed their stuff far and wide, but they had, but it was actually people sharing the value with each other and that Pokemon Go was just another opportunity for everybody to share value with each other that they knew somebody had and everybody had a different way of creating creating that value of catching Pokemon and organizing them and evolving them and everybody played the game in a different way and could actually sell that value to other people, literally. I mean, they, they were giving it to each other, but some people were creating Pokemon Go accounts and selling them for thousands of dollars after having caught all the Pokemon. Um, and people were starting blogs and telling people how to do it. I mean, to this day, there's there's people with millions and millions of followers and there's people doing videos about it. And so uh, I became a fan when I got introduced to the Pokemon Go phenomenon. Besides that, I was definitely a fan of Pikachu and, and, and Charmander and the main Pokemon cute. Pokemon that I knew about and uh, and the music obviously I was a fan of some of the music and um, and the show looked like Speed Racer but I never really got into it um, but it seems like they're 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 keeping the vibe but they're just Im improving on the the visual elements they're you know it's it's higher graphic graph better graphic design and like you know more more colors and richer backdrops but they're still keeping the same sort of uh the same vibe as the original show which i think is really really a, a good idea uh, in terms of the the anime um now this new pikachu movie is coming out and then and pikachu's gonna start talking and he's got ryan reynolds voice and that's kind of going against the whole thing to some degree because pikachu's not supposed to say anything it's a Pika. now <laughs> pikachu's talking all kinds of smack and uh, and uh, the Pokemon company is, you know, is going to expand even further because of it. I can expect after this other Pokemon to start talking, and then you know we got a whole another thing happening. Yeah, which the thing the thing is, it, it was it was mainly very common for their movies, but but I didn't think they would they would go so far as with Pikachu. Like I didn't think they would really do it like before before they did D Detective Pikachu. I was like, are you serious right now? I thought it was going to be him as a detective and the Pikachu would be helping him out by, you know, by t telling him stuff and, you know, just only communicating with him and everybody else he couldn't talk to. But no, it's actually going to be Pikachu talk. Or maybe it is. I don't, I don't actually know how the, how the movie's working works, but uh, I'm very excited for it. And hopefully we'll hear uh, another Pokemon theme remix. Maybe my, maybe me. Maybe me. We'll see. Whoa. We'll see. Yeah, hopefully. I got fingers crossed. Yeah, hopefully they should give you another chance because 
I mean, I mean, you still got it. I mean, you still got it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just getting it actually. I didn't, I didn't, didn't have it for 18 years until Pokemon Go came out, and then I was like, oh, I can do this. This is good. People yeah. want me to do it. I mean, people always wanted it, but they didn't know they wanted it, and that's the really special thing about the resurgence of uh, of of the song. And and it's not really a resurgence. It's always been. It's always been there in people's consciousness. It's a resurgence of my participation in it. Um, I had the participation the first time, and then uh, in 2016 when Pokemon Go came out, uh, media contacted me because it, it spiked on Spotify, and people were breaking into the theme song in giant groups in parks, and uh, media wanted to know who was the dude that sang the theme song, and they contacted me, and I sang it for him again. And I and they realized that there was a guy that sings the song, and I realized that there were people that really cared about it. So we're both kind of reuniting. It's like we're we're best friends that haven't seen each other in 16 years that didn't know that we were best friends. And <laughs> you know, it's like, oh wow, I didn't even know there was a guy that sang that, even though I heard it for so long, and it's so part of my my life. Um, <laughs> Interesting. And I didn't know that these people were so into it. I mean, I knew that it was there, but I didn't know how big of a part it was in people's lives. If I re if you read the YouTube comments on my Pokemon theme video, they're just incredible. People are people want it at their funeral. They they want it at their weddings. Their 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 whole you know medical conditions. They're in the hospital listening to the song. There's all kinds of things that happen to them that the song gets them through and I get it because the lyrics in the song do inspire them to to be self-empowered and to be the very best that of themselves uh, that they can be to overcome their own hurdles and obstacles in their lives it's really very profound and I don't think there's anything like it that's ever existed in history yeah yeah absolutely and when you catch on to the Pokemon, uh, Pokemon Go um, uh, phenomenon. Um, you did. You did a theme song for that as well. I did. Oh, what with that? Um, I thought. Well, this is a great opportunity for. I saw people were doing these crawls. I was like, whoa! They're 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 out in the streets just on their own, zipping around. They're not motivated by anything but where they want to go and what they want to do. And I was like, this is this is even. This is a perfect opportunity to have another song. Go, Pokemon, go! You can find them anywhere. Catch the world with a throw. Pokemon, go! It's the same <laughs> delay that I used in the song, too. Um, I thought it was a great, uh, great opportunity to provide a independent, fan-based uh, underscore for them to to inspire their 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 go playing not something from the company that's trying their their company is trying to do but something that the fans can can cr the fans create and I'm a fan uh, independent of Pokemon created and they can they can use it and license it if they want um, and that's what's going on in the whole ecosystem the the, the entire Comic-Con uh, scenes are all fan based pretty much it's not Pokemon doing a Comic-Con it's a fan in Minneapolis that loves Pokemon and has a Pokemon con and everybody comes to it so I saw everybody else creating all this value at these at these crawls and I thought I could create value at a crawl 
and the main thing that I can do is produce great music and and uh, so I produced a song that uh, exemplifies the Pokemon Go catching experience uh, that I understood at the time now I know more about it so I could write even more about it um, but I think that that you know I kept it simple and I kept it kind of vibey and I kept it kind of like the original song with that kind of energy and, uh, and I can perform it at, at, at events. So it's, if I get asked to perform an event, I'm not just doing the one Pokemon song. I can do <laughs> another Pokemon song that's, that's pertinent and, and powerful and interesting and, you know, pulls upon all of the themes that the game and the original song pull on and, and having, you know, your imagination taking flight, the world's uniting, heal it. Every stop, another lesson learned. It's your turn to train your way to the top. Together, we'll never stop. It's a great uh, out in the world, evolving. Everyone's problem solving. Everyone wins when it's you and your friends. So go. <laughs> go! <laughs> it makes sense, right? I mean, that's what yeah. the whole thing is yeah. all about. So I just yeah. wrote down what it was about and, uh, and put it to music. Yeah. Put, put it to a beat. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, to add to that, um, what are your current projects? Um, currently, I'm in rehearsals for uh, uh, both A Hard Day Solid, Silent Night. It's a gospel choir that sings Beatles songs um, with crazy gospel arrangements uh, that tell loosely the nativity story. And we're doing it in this beautiful church down uh, by USC, called St. John's. And uh, it's an incredible, it's an incredible space. Um, I just released my SpongeBob tribute um, to the passing of the creator of SpongeBob, and um, I'm hoping that that there's a petition that I just saw online that 850,000 people have already signed to have that song. Sweet, sweet, sweet victory, yeah, and it's ours for the taking. It's ours for the flying. Sweet Victory. It's a great song that appeared in a SpongeBob episode, and people think it should be at the Super Bowl in honor of the creator as well this year. And I'd love to sing it there. Uh, so I'm I'm trying to organize with the the uh, petition, the people who started the petition to <laughs> if they're going to do it and it's going to go through that I be the guy that that makes it happen and my version makes it happen. Um, I'm working on the development of another couple of musicals that I can't uh, reveal the details of, but they're very cool, and uh, they they might just be really big deals. Um, I'm doing some jingle work uh, today for Clash of Clans, which is a great game. Um, they got another ad coming out, and uh, they need a, another cool song for it. And... Uh, and I just did a little concert for one of my other communities here. It's called For the Record. And it's a uh, group of people that uh, self-styled artists. Some of them are Tony winners. Some of them are uh, Emmy winners. There's incredible people in this group. For the Record does the best songs and scenes from a given director. Like all the Tarantino singing scenes and songs on stage together from all the movies in one like cool Tarantino show. And then like Scorsese. Well, I played Joe Pesci and did all kinds of things as Joe Pesci and Jack Nicholson and all these different characters from the Scorsese movies interacting. Um, and we just did a Christmas concert here at Century City that was really great where I sang 
And this is the other thing that I'm working on that's going to appeal to a lot of people out there. I get almost once or twice a week, definitely for the past five years, requests to sing. Silent night, holy night. crazy heavy metal version that I did on Hellbenders. Uh, people want a full version of that, so I did a full rock and roll version of that finally, and I'm working on a video for that one to put that out to my YouTube community. In addition, for the YouTubers that have been watching me jump around Europe with Video Games Live, singing the Pokemon Symphonic Remix with an incredible orchestra, that has just come out on, on uh, I know it's on Apple Music, it's on Spotify, the Video Games Live Level 6 album featuring Jason Page, and also played some guitar on that, that new track. Uh, new vocals that sound like the old vocals, because I made sure to keep the integrity of the old school song and um, and so that's it that's those are the things happening immediately um, silent night is my next thing oh and the, the video games live tour videos I've got like three more of those to edit and get those out and then I'll move on to you know the rest of my life getting it in, compressed into Jason Page show <laughs> so, uh, have you seen any of those tour videos? By the way, you watching those? Um, I've um, I've um, I've I've seen some of them. Yeah, they're yeah. really quick cuts throughout all of my European experience, and uh, I've got the last city, which was Hamburg, and then I go to New York, upstate, and then Long Island. So those are really cool ones because we had a sixty-person kids choir, uh, kids choir, we were college kids. So there's lots of footage of me with the with the college with the college choir and a orchestra that was like 50 people. So it was like 110 people on the stage in one one of the shows. It was really cool. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, uh, absolutely. Like, um, how does it feel to be a part of uh, everyone's childhood in the 90s? <laughs> um, huh. well. <laughs> It feels like I'm a part of everyone's adulthood. <laughs> and when I get those people part of my adulthood, it feels like I'm the child in their childhood. I'm the child and they're the adults. I'm just the kid experiencing them as adults, experiencing me and their children and I'm an adult. It's really an interesting thing. Um, we're always, you know, I think in, in essence, we're always, we, we're, we are who we are when we're born, these incredible miracle beings that, that have incredible intuition and connectivity to all sorts of other dimensions and energies. And as we learn, we lose layers of that through, uh, you know, through family, through just, you know, the life, family and religion and school and work and, 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 and we, we are 
constantly trying to peel those layers off to reveal the miracles underneath of us, all the things that, all the superpowers that we have, the intuition that we have. And uh, when I sing the Pokemon theme song for people, I'm sort of peeling a layer off because it, it reveals to them everything that they were back in the day before they got schooled and worked and familyed and punished and all the other things that happened to us in our lives and you know part of our journey is to get all the things we know here and combine them with all the things that we knew before we were were, were subjected to this world so we're, we're we're blending all of our dimensions of of what we knew and what we're going to know yeah absolutely absolutely good question good question <laughs> so so my next question for you jason um do you have any future uh, future goals um i i uh i think um well one of the goals is to is to catch them all and when i say catch them all i'm talking about all of the people who's who who could benefit from having that layer peeled off and knowing who i am visually and physically and being exposed to my other work as well because my other works can peel different things off besides the pokemon thing um and right now there's only 47 thousand people that have subscribed to my youtube channel and uh I, there's there's people that are showing people how to paint their nails that have way more subscribers than that and uh painting your nails is not as important as peeling off the layers of adulthood to reveal the purity of your childhood underneath and to connect with that so i i think one of my goals is to catch them all to have all of the people who have been impacted and have a connectivity to the song, know who I am and be exposed to my other work. Um, and that's going to be through the Jason Page show uh, that is distributed on my YouTube channel and on my other networks as well. So that's, that's the main goal. Um, and I think that's about half of the population of the planet right there. So um, once I have that, I think we can get more specifically into other goals. Uh, you know, improving my health, um, anti-aging uh, uh, technologies, which are basically just fasting. You know, fasting, I've just discovered, is a really wonderful way to reset yourself and to get your cells working at optimum level, get your brain working at optimum level, too, and to uh, get yourself creative and, and productive in a way that you haven't been because food keeps interrupting you from being the fullest self that you can be. I think we need about 80% less food, so I'm, one of my goals is to get myself 80% less fed and feed myself on the wonderful things around me and the things that I can create as opposed to the things that bog me down and the, the things that take all this energy to digest that I don't need that aren't really contributing to my, to my well-being. Um, to improve my relationship to myself, uh, to improve my relationship to other people, to uh, to eat at the vegan Italian place uh, tonight. <laughs> um, other goals, uh, 
I think I'm going to get a little, you know, in this in this physical, but back to the health thing. I want to get a little bit more uh, physically active because I'm I'm mentally active and I'm creatively active, but I need to get moving through spaces more because that's also very important to the to the health process as well. Um, I, I'd like to read a little bit more than I do. I'm reading reading online quite a bit, um, but you know, an actual book that just requires my imagination. I'm going to read a book within the next month. How was the last time you read a book? People don't read books anymore. It's crazy. I got books on my bookshelf over there and there are a lot of really good ones that I've never read. <laughs> so I'm going to do, do some of that. Yeah, I'm like, and the thing is, yeah, and the thing is, it's like, I just read for mine in the first time, like, I just read for one in a lot, like, I just read for one, uh, you know, I just read for one, uh, read for one after a long time within within the one day. <laughs> oh yeah, that's great. That's great. Another goal is I want to I want to uh, manage my cryptocurrency a little bit better. Um, as you know, cryptocurrency is is here to stay, and uh, I'm migrating the regular the regular financial world into the crypto financial world. And there's a lot of new information there. So you have to take responsibility for it. It's not you are the bank in crypto world. In the regular world, the bank does it all for you and you just kind of, you know, don't know what's going on, what they're doing with your money. And it isn't even really there. I mean, it's interesting. You go to, the, to see the banks on the corner. There's always a chase. And right across the street, there's a Bank of America, the red and the blue, the McDonald's and the Burger King. But in these banks, there are always these big spaces and there's no money in there. They're just ones and zeros in a computer, but they've got these big spaces to not keep any money, which is very interesting. Um, and now that money is now in the digital form in crypto, there's all kinds of things that you can do with it. And that ecosystem is expanding so quick. So one of my goals is to be is to, you know, at least try to keep up with a little, a little bit more because that is where we're going. That is the future. And uh, I don't want to be left behind. I want to be in the front of the curve. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so Jason, my last question for you: How can people get in touch with you? Jason Page at gmail dot com, or uh, my website is down right now. It got hacked. It'll be up uh, probably by the end of the day. Uh oh. Uh, we got eleven percent on my computer. It's gonna it's gonna shut down in, in a second. Hold on. I gotta run. I gotta get the I get the power. Oh no. If I lose you, what? Can I run and get the power really quick? JasonPage yeah. at gmail.com. Um, JasonPage.com, my website. Also, Jason Page Show on Facebook. You can send me messages there. Jason Page on Instagram. Uh, Jason Page on Twitter. And then I think I'm Jason Page on Pinterest, too. <laughs> P A I G E, that is. And if you want to get in touch with me, I'm in West Hollywood somewhere. You just got to run down the street looking. Looking, listening for me, you'll hear Jason Oh,
of Aaron's journey, consider donating to the podcast monthly. Head on over to my anchor page for more information on how to get exclusive bonus content and more. 